Welcome into the 11 Dubcast presented by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. I am Bo, he is Johnny, and football season is here throughout the Buckeye State. The pro team started about 10 days ago. The high school team started last Thursday, and your Ohio State Buckeyes, which is why you're here, started on Friday, finally. And, and so they have started, and we have had quite a bit of opportunity to get to hear from these guys, including the two you know principal figures in, I think, the driving success of this team, Ryan Day and his quarterback, Justin Fields. Um, it's, it's unlike pros in that you can't go to every game practice and watch every practice, which I, I don't know why they what the reason for not doing that is. My hunch is is that they don't want like people to understand how much like pro football college football is. That's the best I can think. To why they're going to steal all our secrets, all, all the things that. that nobody knows I about football. I think that's BS. That's BS, though, because the, every NFL camp is open, or most are. I mean, I don't think the Eagles, everyone are, but every Browns practice is wide open. Right. Um, Bengals practices are wide open. Steelers practices are wide open. There's just no reason um, to close them. There's nothing you're going to steal. I mean, they they shoot a lot of them, and the video's up nonstop. So there's nothing to steal. So I, I think that is an excuse that college teams use but I, my guess is it has more to do with that it might be shocking to some people how much they're treated like pros while under the shield of student-athlete. That's my, yeah, well, I also that's my think best guess. It's just like having control. And in college football, we've allowed you know coaches, head coaches, to have that kind of influence and, and dictates. And in the NFL, it's a lot harder to do that because it's, you know, it's, it's much more of a public thing. Um, but I'm with you. I think it's ridiculous that they don't allow access all the time. I think that's silly. And that's something that changed in the 20 years that I was covering that since I've been covering college football, when I first got to Tallahassee um, covering Florida state, every practice was open. Um, you couldn't shoot at all. Uh, you couldn't like with cameras, they wouldn't want you to shoot the whole practice, but you could sure. go to every practice from start to finish and, and watch. Um, I think the internet changed it because I've heard stories um, that Ohio state was the same under Cooper. Like you could go to the whole practice and watch practice. If you were in the media, you could. Um, and I think, I think the internet changed it where there was, you know, coaches started to panic that like instantly their store, the, there was a, a, an idea that like the beat reporters and television reporters and radio personalities in the town, um, would protect you, I think to a certain degree. Yeah. And, and once the internet happened, the fear was my God. And I, this happened when I was in Tallahassee, the fear like from Bowden and he didn't even understand it, um, was like, holy hell, you're telling me that like Miami can find out what play we ran in the scrimmage <laughs> so grandpa like, found the internet and he, just ruined he found everything. The, well yeah or somebody told grandpa about the internet and that's how but that and then it was like <laughs> okay let's start to slow a lot of this down and then the access became less and less to the point now where it's almost none um yeah. the only thing the media really gets to see is some stretching um different than from what you see is some stretching and you know a little bit of individual work that's it there's no 11 on 11 or anything like that that or seven on seven or anything that that we see that that you don't see frankly yeah well i you know one of the first things that i did for 11 warriors outside of just writing up stupid articles about punting was i went <laughs> to well i went to a practice and that was cool i almost got run over by terrell Pryor. that was fun um but i also went to the 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 picture day like the you know where everybody's getting their picture taken and they've got the whole big team photo and whatnot that was open to the media that was uh, I think the first that was the year that Luke Fickle actually uh, did it was when I went down and that was a good time and I enjoyed doing it. And that's not open anymore. That is not something that's open the to me. Yeah. And I just, I don't get, 
I don't understand why. I, I mean, it's cool to have the family there, and I understand it's it's for their players and their and their you know relatives and whatnot. And that's great, but like, it's such a great marketing opportunity. And I got you know I got this amazing picture of Archie and Adam Griffin together, right? Like that's something yeah. that I was able to kind of put out, and it's something that I still remember doing. And it's I just don't understand why Ohio State and other colleges wouldn't go. Man, this is a great way to show how cool our program is. Um, and invite the press. So, I mean, we're, we're reduced to standing in front of, you know, the Blackwell and taking you know, paparazzi pictures of, yeah. of players as they wheel in luggage to, a, you know, yeah, to an on-campus on hotel. So, yeah, it's a strange. Are they at the Blackwell this year? They're not at uh, down at the Grandview Yard? I don't, you know what? I, I think I might have gotten that mixed up, but they, you know, they're, they're they always used in. to be down at the, the Grandview Yard. It's where they always yeah. were. I didn't see where they were on, went on Sunday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, going into a hotel and that's what you see. I just think, the, and I also think like a little bit goes a long way. So like if you did like a, you know, an Ohio, you know, a family day at Ohio stadium or whatever on a, you know, do it on a Tuesday night or something like that, just charge like five bucks and give the money to pick a charity that you'd like. And it would allow people just have a general admission and it would just allow people who normally can't get to the shoe or can't afford it to be able to, and just do a right. practice in front of some fans and be very vanilla. You know, yeah. I mean, you're not, you don't have to do be crazy. Yeah. But I, no, I, think I, it'd be cool. I mean, the Browns yeah. had 37,000 people at first energy stadium on Saturday night doing just that. They just conducted a practice and they raised, uh, it was five bucks a pop and they raised all the money went to their, you know, they have their main charities get to class, like making sure kids get to class, get to school. And it all went to that. So, I mean, it's a, it's an easy thing and it's a small bit of, for you, for an, a big gain, I think potentially. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's, I mean, you know, <laughs> oh no, Baker Mayfield's good. Don't let anybody know. Like it's, you know, who cares? Just yeah, let, the, let the people idea see that there's something on. to hide. Yeah, yeah. Let, let people see what's going on. Have some fun with it. That's, I mean, that's really what it's all about. So yeah, so there's very little, and that's uh, there, there's very little that you can see in terms of um, with your own eyes. So what you rely upon is interviews with players when you have the availability, and they've been great and had some availabilities. Um, interviews with the players where they tell you who's playing good and who's not. And um, and so far, so good with Justin Fields. It seems like he's made leaps and bounds from what he was in spring. It seems like he's had a great summer. We heard from him on Saturday, and I came away just really impressed. Um, yeah. I think of all of the kids who were thrown under that microscope and understand that the University of Georgia is a really big program but they don't have a media throng of 60 people. It's in, it's in Athens, Georgia. It's a hike. Um, There's probably a guy from the Atlanta journal constitution and a couple of local papers. There's no local television in Athens, none. Um, So there aren't a lot of cameras. There's probably the rest of it's probably student newspapers and stuff like that. That blogs. There's not, there's not 60 people going to the university of Georgia practices and, and availability. So Justin Fields has probably never seen anything like he saw on Saturday, you know, with the Ohio state media horde. And I thought he hit on himself just exemplary. The, yeah. the I think the amount of kids I think that come to mind when I think of like big time recruits, first times in front of microphones, like Terrell Pryor, Braxton Miller, man. I mean, he was a he was more JT Barrett. I mean, JT Barrett sophomore year, kind of. Um, just really natural, charismatic kid. Um, really impressive. I was I was really floored. It's the first time that I've you know, we've heard him talk a little bit, but it's the first time that I heard him really extended and pressed on things. I came away pretty floored by the kid's presence. 
Yeah, he didn't seem at all phased by the situation. And what I really appreciate is how much emphasis he put on leadership and how important yeah. that he knows he knows how important his role is as the quarterback of Ohio State and what he needs to do. And to be really the, the quarterback doesn't mean you just throw the football. It means you really have to take a leadership role on the team. He seems acutely aware of that, and he talked about it a lot. Um, that's what you want to hear. And, and honestly, the guy, he was, he was comfortable. He wasn't, you know, nervous answering any of these questions. He didn't seem like reticent to say stuff. Yeah. It was just a really good interview. And, and for people who are worried about the transition between Dwayne Hess and Justin Fields, you know, that goes a long way to kind of settling that a little bit, because you want a guy who isn't in over his head and isn't kind of just like, well, I bounced around from one program to another. So I don't really know what I'm doing. That doesn't seem to be the case with this guy. He seems very cool and collected. And, you know, I think also honest with himself. Yeah. Um, he talked about the things that he needed to do to improve on and, and what he was working on. And that's, again, that's what you want to hear. So um, that was a huge positive for me. I'm with you 100%. He seems absolutely ready to be the leader, you know, at least the quarterback, but also a leader for this Ohio State football team. Yeah, I thought his um, he gave a great answer about leadership and that when you come into a new program, you join in the middle of the year, he goes, everybody knows the quarterback has to be the leader. But at the same time, you got to you have to earn that over time. Right. Like, I can't come in here and be the leader, but it sounds like he's earned it over the course of you know spring and summer. And then mm -hmm. gave a great answer about Ryan Day, who insists that there's a quarterback competition, even though there isn't. You know, he's <laughs> trying to make Fields earn it. And and so Fields is going to, you know, if you're watching on the stream, quote, earn it. But the reality is, um, and Fields asked about that and said, look, one of the things Ryan Day told me is I'm going to, I will get whatever I earn. That's it. I'm entitled right. to nothing else. And so he's, he was, I was pretty impressed with him. And for a kid who is so boy tied to the success or failure, not just this year, but of Ryan Day's program, because all of the <laughs> eggs are in the kid's basket. I mean, there's not yeah. a backup egg. Um, there's not a, every other quarterback <laughs> that we can think of that's played here in the last 10 years has had a four or five star behind them on the bench. I yeah. mean, that goes back forever. It's been that way. Um, there was the junior year of Todd Beckman where there was really no reason. There was nobody to press him the year he was first team, all big 10, but then the next year prior comes in and then, you know, prior takes the job within three games. Right. And then everybody that's followed has had other than prior has had pressure from a four or five star kid behind them to where, you know, like if you don't play somebody else will, you know, and right. calls at times calls for it. Braxton didn't face much of that, but JT faced it his entire time where there was always like, are we sure the backup's not better? That was always the case. Um, and even if you think about Haskins wasn't pressed, but there was always somebody waiting in the wings, you know, and this mm -hmm. is the first time that there isn't anybody waiting in the wings. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm curious to whether that, you know, for for Fields himself, whether he really appreciates that or if that's something that puts even more pressure on him. And, and for me, I think I actually think that he likes being the guy. And, and, and obviously, you yeah. know, they're going to pay lip service to the fact that, OK, we've got a we got a real quarterback competition, guys. We're going to make sure the best guy starts. But I really do think that. Justin Fields appreciates the faith that Ryan Day put in him from the very beginning. I mean, this isn't something I think, you know, we talk about how he has to earn X, Y, and Z. But the truth of the matter is that Ryan Day, from the very beginning, put a ton of faith in this dude. And it seems to me, based on the way he talks about Day and he talks about what he needs to do with the, the team, that he really appreciates that and understands that. But also it's freeing. It's also saying, look, 
I'm going to be who I am. If I make mistakes, I don't have to worry about getting immediately knocked down to second string, right? Like I have a lot of pressure yeah, on my no calls. because I can develop. Yeah. I can become better. Yep. Yeah, there so, is. I, there, there, there will be no calls to like, hey, we got to see what Gunnar Hoke can do. Like that, <laughs> right. that's not going to be the case. Like it's, yeah. he's, he's got a two-year window to be the quarterback. And, um, you know, that's the plan for him and for day. And he's, he's totally, you, you make a great point. Like he is Ryan day's handpicked quarterback and forsaking yeah. all others. So they, they will walk into the season hand in hand and it's, it's a weekend, right. But from everything that you've heard and everything that we, we heard from other players and what we heard from Justin Fields directly, um, I, and from what I've heard from Ryan day, um, it's off to a nice start, long yeah. way to go, but it's off to a nice start. Um, yeah. you mentioned, the uh reporting Liam McCullough does it again he's done it's done <laughs> he's done it it's been done now the the the, the great masterwork the great one of the greatest masters of our time has finally completed really is. is his magnum opus which is a four-year look it's one thing to make a joke for a year like oh, I wore this last year now I'm wearing it again I got a shirt about me that's fine but to devote four years of your life to try to create a shirt in the exact same look in the exact same way for four straight years. I like I was saying this before we get started recording. Let's start some NCAA violations. I want to sell them right now. I want to make him a millionaire. <laughs> and if he has to leave the team, that's fine. I just want him to be set up for the rest of his life because it's one of the funniest things that I've seen a player do. And it's yeah. fantastic. So if you haven't seen it, go on 11warriors.com. It is one of our top You'll, stories uh. right now. Um, with Liam McCullough having his Inception shirt of him wearing the exact same thing every single year and then taking a picture of it and then wearing a shirt of that the following year. And it's, it's freaking fantastic. I love do it. Do you think that he planned it from the beginning yes yes so you think he Absolutely. thought he would do it for five years or four years from the beginning there's no so you think look, he yes. just i think he wore it the first time to be cute and no, then I, the second time it was on disagree i think Liam mccall is kind of if you by the way one of the best follows one of the best football follows on twitter i don't know if they even updated that much anymore but about three or four years ago the specialists on like the you know the the holders the long snappers all those dudes had an account on Twitter where they just dunked on each other constantly, just made fun of each other for being slow, for being weak, for being fat, all this other stuff. And it was hilarious. Liam Bacola got on campus and said, this is, um, this is me, baby. And yeah. they're going to remember my name. Well, and by will. the way, do you know any other person at that position no. ever? No, ever. <laughs> Cause I don't. Not in the history. And I, no. He he maximizes potential at Ohio State, and frankly, I just have nothing but respect for that. So I think it was planned from the beginning. I think he knew he came up with the plan, and he executed it perfectly. He's a, he's a genius. Then he is because yeah. it's it's well done. It's well done, and he's really become a trendsetter. Where all the guys <laughs> try to do some sort of cutesy thing now with that's images right. on their on their t shirts. So so that's that's a fantastic good job out of him. Uh, a couple of other news and notes as I was looking at the site uh, over the weekend and some of the things. Um, season ticket renewals down four to five percent. This is a topic yep. that we spent some time on this summer. Um, Ohio State selling single game and like uh, three game packs for the first time ever um, for in terms of selling tickets that the the season ticket demand wasn't there. This is not. This is not this is not an Ohio State problem. It's a big time sports problem. Um, the the threshold for it is uh, the other thing you had that that 
eventually comes back to bite is I think the overall cost of the experience is so rich now that it's really hard. I was trying to think like, could you, from a season ticket standpoint, you're, you're going to scratch out uh, for two of them. You're probably looking at 2000 bucks or something better than that for two seats. Um, But then it's, if you're going to go to them, if you're going to go to all the games, then it's 50 bucks in parking for every one of those or thereabouts and then food and drink and everything. And it's a big cut of your day that you're giving uh, to that. So the experience has to be great. And so the schedule's got to be great because you got to go, you got to be games that you want to go see. And this is a bad year for the schedule, certainly the home schedule. So I think it all kind of was a perfect storm. Um, my, what I'm curious about is if we think that it is something that will turn around, will the season ticket renewals that were lost this year reverse and become gains next year? Or will the season tickets that lost this year not come back? And will those people, because sometimes if you get out of the habit of buying something, you yeah. just stop forever. Um right. It's kind of like Netflix subscription. Like you have it. If you ever stop it, like, I don't know if you'd ever give it back, you know, like, yeah. you just yeah, pay the 15 bucks a month because you have it. But then once you give it up, I don't know if you ever, if you ever buy it back. Yeah. I, so what's interesting about this is I, I think you're going to see a downward trend in general. I, you know, a lot of it depends on how successful the football team is. Football team comes out and becomes a national title contender. People are going to go and watch the games and buy season tickets and all that stuff. But I think overall you are going to see a, a general downward trend. One of the things I was wondering about was, is it, I mean, if you look at Ohio state's finances, at least from the last few years and, and USA today does that great thing where they compile everything, but they've, you know, it's been on delay for a couple of years because schools have become a lot you know, more reluctant to share that information yeah. uh, right. <laughs> because of what they did. But Ohio State's expenses pretty much exactly match the revenue. So I don't I feel like you're in a bind if you are Gene Smith and, and other people are trying to set these prices, because in one sense, you can't lose revenue. You can't lose significant amounts of revenue because you're spending all that money on your facilities and your 36 or 35 varsity sports and all these other but things. But that's just bad business, right, Johnny? It is, but that's what I'm saying. What do you do? Like, way. yeah, I don't think that's sustainable. So I don't know what happens in the long run when you see those eventually start to decline because you can only stave that off for so long. So I, I think they're really in a bind here when it comes to that. Yeah. I think the majority of their money for facilities comes from donors yeah. Uh, people who want to put their names on things. So that's where the majority of that stuff comes from. Cavelli Center, all these things. They're all named for somebody who put a big check on them. Um, but the 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 big part of it is what you brought up, which is the 36 sports and football funding so many of those. And we have so yeah. many sports that are non-revenue. Um, I would guess there's only two that are revenue generating, obviously football and men's basketball. But men's basketball is probably not as revenue generating as you think. Um uh, if especially well, you get the cut of the TV, so that certainly would right. be. But everything else is is well in the red, and probably by wide margins. So it has to be made up. And so we choose to have thirty six sports. We don't have to, you know. Texas and LSU, LSU's got like thirteen. Texas got like eighteen. Like <laughs> us having thirty six yeah. is bad business, you know. Yeah, like it, <laughs> yeah. It's something we like to puff our chest out about. But from a business perspective, you can't have that many loss leaders. Yeah. So I don't, you know, I don't know what it looks like long-term and when you start to see season tickets, you know, start to decline and Gene Smith said, you know, I think in his podcast that he just started, which, you know, super huge rival, the 11 dub cast. I'm really, I'm kind of worried (laughs) about, Uh, but you know, but in seriousness, Gene Smith 
said that a big part of why they did those rearranged ticket packages this season was because of that, you know, slight decrease, which again, it's not a huge thing, but it, it, it is real money for that dude. And he understands that he has to kind of, you know, change things around. He, he said, we've got more tickets to play with. Yeah, you do, but that's not, you know, you're, you're spending it as a good thing, which I understand, but that's, that's not really viable in the long term. So I, you know, I, I, I hate to repeat myself, but I say this as I've always said, which is that uh, Ohio Stadium needs to fundamentally change their game day experience. And I just don't think that the way they have it is is conducive to long term success. So can they we'll do that? What can, can they do that? Can they put seat backs? Can they improve the bathroom situation? Like, can they do that? Because I think they I'm with you. I think it has to happen. Yeah, like it's it's not. You know, and if you want to put if you want to make all of B deck luxury boxes or whatever, because so many of those seats are, you know, and that's the real moneymaker, too. Honestly, yeah. I mean, that's you know. that would actually make more sense to make them all. Lu- just take the capacity down to 80,000 yeah. and and just put more luxury boxes and put seat backs. That'd yeah. go a long and, way. And people, but people would hate that. I mean, that, that would the reaction to that would be. What would you I hate, think- though? Would it you'd hate what that the we didn't have 100,000 people? But no, I think people would be resentful that like the wine and cheesers are the ones who are like, you know, directing the flow of, of the way the football experience is going. And I again, they do anyway. It's already that. Right. They already You're do paying. that. But I, I think that would just be really apparent to a lot of people. And that would make them upset, which like the price for a ticket, though, for, makes it that anyway. That's my point. I don't think it should be that much to go to a football game anyway. That's what people should be you know irritated about. Um but yeah, it's it, they're in such a catch twenty two where if they lower prices, the the revenues go down. Whereas it doesn't matter anyway because their high prices are causing people to buy fewer tickets. So I don't, you know, yeah. we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, it'll be it's it's a fascinating thing that's happening because as we talk about that last week, we were given a tour of the new football facilities and all of the things yep. that have happened there. And it's this this is a you know this is. <laughs> Soviet Union, USA, you know, arms race. This is Star <laughs> Wars. I mean, it it really is. It's it's like, well, Clemson has a water slide and a and a uh, and a putt putt. Well, we need one. I know the one year <laughs> Saban put a waterfall in Alabama, and the next year Urban's like, hey, we need a waterfall. Give me a waterfall. Yeah. So they have a yeah. water feature. I mean, so it's like this forever chasing the tail of somebody else and the one upsmanship facilities because there's so much money. And they can't pay the kids. And so I don't have a problem with this. This is the next best thing to paying the kids is giving them the best possible working environment. So go for it. Good for you. Can I can I ask you this? So I, I'm, I know you've been like through the Woody and whatnot. I want to say something that probably won't make a lot of people super happy, but I really don't think the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, compared to what I've seen from some of these other schools yeah. and organizations, it bulldoze the whole thing man like it is not that 10 years ago i know man it is it is not look you look at northwestern and you can't obviously replicate this in the middle of columbus ohio but you look at northwestern and they've got their you know their their football indoor field overlooking like michigan you have views of chicago and then you look at oregon and it's like this whole big panorama thing they've got set up what is athletic center is a is a nice building. I've been through the entire thing. I took a tour of the whole thing. I've been in almost every room. Uh, it, it's nice. It structurally does not feel like it can compete with some of the things that other schools are doing. When you look at LSU and all this other stuff. It's not. It is a squat, boxy building that is very functional. 
but not particularly attractive. And you can throw as many like, you know, you know, <laughs> curtains on the wall and you can put in a bunch of, you know, neon lights and, and papa shots and all that stuff. But fundamentally, it is not a really sexy building. And I don't know what you do about that. You can put all these improvements all you want, but it's not going to be the Oregon's or, you know, the LSU's of the world. It's a Quonset. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was built a long time ago. It has four walls and a roof. Yeah. That's what it was. It was built before a all barn. of this. A barn, a Quonset, for those in agriculture terms. So that's that's what it is. And they've tried. Um, I know like Pantone and Urban, when they got there, they're like, holy cow, do we have a lot of work to do here. <laughs> like uh, just to catch up to like Florida, right? Yeah. Florida isn't even one of the bigger guns. Like they're not. No, you're right. The biggest. So like we, they're like, wow, we got a lot. And they've done a great job. Um, it's it's stunning that there's not a wall of windows in the practice facility. It's amazing yep. that the head coach at Ohio State doesn't have windows in his office. Yes. Um, that's yes. crazy. It's absolute crazy. Um, it's a dingy feel to it. Uh, it's yeah. not bright and shiny. It's gray and cold. You feel like you're in a bunker dingy. the entire time. That's it. That's it. And so there's, you know, they just built a Quonset. And you're right. I There's nothing... I don't think there's any salvaging it. I mean, it, you know, they're doing the best they can. They've thrown all this money into it. Probably around 2010, when this arms race was happening and there was still infinite land around campus where you could build something, at that point, they should have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they should have done it at that point. And yeah, now... Get out by the agricultural college, have something where you have, like, sight lines. Look, I'm not yeah. an architect, but I know, I know a little bit about, you know, trying to, you know, make something more aesthetically pleasing when it comes to architecture yeah. you you can't build just like a basement and have really cool stuff in it because that's essentially what no. it is and it's like you said my biggest pet peeve forever forever has been the head coach's office i see these oh, tours that they do of oregon or literally any school really saving bobby bowden's coach- office was crazy like it was yeah. panoramic windows looking out onto Doak campbell stadium he had a deck that Oh, that's that what was, I'm saying, he, man. He would hit a button they and the windows, which the, the doors would open the building. They yeah. let them look out over their all their, you know, all that they control, all the land that they own. Right. Like they're, they're right. like Mufasa. Yeah. Right. And they're yep. just like everything the light touches. This is mine. And yep. then you go to Ohio State and, you know, Irvin Meyer, Ryan Day, Jim Trestle, they're, they're like in, tucked in this little corner of the woody that has no windows. It's nuts. And it's just this it's tiny little. And it's, I don't know. So it's dingy. And it's yeah, it's it's crazy. That would drive me nuts. Like yeah. if I were the coach at Ohio State and I don't have windows, right? How's that possible? I don't know. <laughs> what the and, hell? And, yeah, and and so knock down a wall, just you know, it's it's just one of those things where it just obviously it was built for a different time and place, and it's not like it doesn't work. It's not like it's bad. You Very know, the functional. Room is incredible. The all the stuff they have set up, it's it's just a real. It's it's nice. Everything in there is really nicely done. It's not you know things aren't falling apart. There's nothing like that. I'm not saying no, that. No, it's the original structure, right? But the the problem is is that you're really you're really competing with uh you know other programs that have the will to kind of just destroy all that and say we don't care if this has been up for 15 years or 10 years right it doesn't yeah. suit our needs now so we're getting rid of it and doing something new yeah and that's that's a hard trigger to pull i mean look the, the biggest thing is that you really got to be able to say like you know we're going to make a huge effort in terms of fundraising and, and construction and all this stuff and for ohio state you know a, a university as large as ohio state to turn on a dime like that is very difficult 
Um, but those are also decisions that maybe should have been made, like you said, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. So yeah, you should have they should have punted on it 10 years ago or done major Agreed. renovations. Agree. Uh 10 years ago or something. I mean, the idea that you don't you can't see like the the horseshoe out windows is crazy. Yeah. You know, why not just yeah. put it? I mean, there's yeah. So anyway, that's that's another thing they gotta get you've got sorted the, out. You got the bridge, even if you can't like again, you've got the, the logistical issues where you've got, you know, you're separated by the river and you've got the yeah. you know the bridge and there's a but you can still set things up where you can see the bridge and then the horseshoe in the yeah. distance. You can make it nice and they yep. just they have not done that. So yep. no, they absolutely could have and should have, and uh it's probably something we'll have to address at some point. Um yeah. all right, the so this has all been fun and games. Let's do the document dump. The Friday three o'clock document dump. So what we, what I tend to get, so this happened after my show with threes on Friday. So we didn't have a chance to talk about it. And by the time we get to today, it was, you know, kind of old news at that point. And to what you get from a lot of fans is why are you in the media talking about this now? This is a year ago, blah, blah, blah. Well, sure. the reality is, is they released the documents now. They could have lived, released them at any point. They released them Friday at three o'clock because that's typically what happens. It's Friday in the afternoon when these things get dropped. And so they drop it at Friday in the afternoon. And honestly, like for all of the hype about it or the initial, oh my God, what now? There wasn't anything in it that was too mind blowing to me uh, at all. Um, no. The only thing that caused a little bit of news over the weekend was the um the idea if zach smith was offered a job at alabama or not saban says no um the the text messages lead you to believe that he was so i suppose that's you can believe who you want on that thing i really don't care um if he was offered one or not (laughs) it doesn't make any difference to me um so it was just one more reminder of just a really unfortunate time in ohio state history that ended up bringing down a guy who you know might be the best coach who ever coached here and probably would have stuck around for a few more years and and didn't because of this event. Did you take anything from it other than that? No, I mean, it's interesting because you do get a little bit of an insight and in how a guy like Urban Meyer and, and, you know, the staff and people around him, you know, are communicating with each other. And that's, that's interesting to know. And, you know, as far as Urban Meyer saying, I mean, we can talk about and rehash all this stuff all we want. I don't know if the, any of that would be useful, but, as far as Urban Meyer saying things like, you know, I was completely, you know, I wasn't aware of certain things and blah, blah, blah. What, what strikes me is less about the particulars of what all went down, especially with regards to Zach Smith. What is more interesting to me is how these coaches and, um, you know, people kind of surrounding programs communicate with each other in terms of like what they don't tell each other and how they decide to communicate certain things to each other. And just how aggressive all of it is in terms of trying to construct a narrative. So what I mean by yeah. that is Zach Smith's like, okay, well, I'm going to try to do X, Y, and Z with you know Nick Saban or whatever. I'm going to try to get interviewed at Alabama. And it isn't something as simple as saying, okay, well, he's going to go interview with Alabama. There's like a whole network of people who have their input on this and when it's going to happen. And we have to construct like what it's going to say and our reaction. And it's just the whole thing is so unbelievably political where people are constantly talking to each other, communicating about certain things and whatnot. And it's just, it's, it's fascinating because the level of communication that's required and the amount of information that goes through, you know, the purview of a guy like Urban Meyer or anybody else in the program is massive. The amount of stuff 
that you are dealing. It's <laughs> yeah. just mind boggling. Yeah. And, you know, I was really skeptical of Urban Meyer saying like, well, I didn't, you know, understand or know all was going on. To me, it's really it's it's entirely possible based on the sheer volume of stuff he was dealing with that even if he was aware, he could have just forgotten immediately because there was so much stuff that was passing through his you know purview that you know he just didn't have time to pay attention to. Now, I would argue that that doesn't matter, but I can also see why it would be really easy to get things lost in the shuffle. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think Urban's urban sin, you know, for lack of a better word was knowing who Zach was and the flight risk that he was yeah. and continuing to keep him employed. That, that is his undoing, you know, the specifics yeah. of what he knew or when he knew will be debated forever. Uh, what I don't think can be debated is urban knew what type of risk Zach Smith was to him and to the program. And this goes back a year ago. We don't need to rehash all of this, but sure. um, even his own agent saying like, if not, now sometime he's going to get you like you gotta you know you gotta cut ties with this guy so he knew that he kept him because of family loyalty we've done it a hundred times um but at the same time like i i'm with you that like every every detail when you're trying to like when you hear like everything that urban is doing on it i can't imagine on a daily basis how these guys are wired especially guys like urban and Saban who are total control franks who control everything in the program who don't delegate I just don't know how you have any, I guess it makes sense that urban burns out in seven years, you know, I mean, it's hard right. to it'd be hard to live that way, I think. So, yeah. um, okay. but I'm with you. I think, I think you hit on the big, uh, the big topics where that was concerned. Um, in terms of something that is pure joy, I give you the basketball tournament and yeah. boy, n- nostalgia is a powerful thing uh, because <laughs> the reality is, um, you know, you're watching a bunch of uh, mid to late 20 year old, early 30 year old guys, who remind you of, for me, my favorite time in Ohio State basketball history. And and they they did it. They beat overseas elite on Sunday. And it was a I watched it. I mean, Sunday was a was a really hard day in Ohio. That was a hard yeah. day. Um, and it's you know, that stuff happened near where you grew up. And um my I, I couldn't sister check actually it. lives my sister actually lives just literally a couple blocks from there. So yeah, it was it, it was rough. Every yeah, everybody okay? Did you have any? Yeah, yeah, it was it was okay. not a fun early morning call that I had to make, but um, yeah, she's there. Everybody's fine. Yeah, um, um yeah, so I couldn't rough. shake it, that, and so yeah. but when, when I saw that that was on, um, because all I just read about this, you know, the thing in Dayton all, all all morning, and I just was like, you know, it's just it's heartbreaking, right? And um, it's devastating, and you get angry, and it's frustrating, and all those things, but the I got wind through social that the game was starting. I had forgotten. And I thought, you know what? I think I could spend an afternoon with Aaron Kraft and David Lighty and John Dibler right. and Bill Buford. And uh, I, I think I can sign up for that. And so I did. I watched the whole game. It was great. Yeah. It was great. And you were reminded. I was. You reminded in, in instances. You reminded how great Aaron Kraft is, how strong his hands are, and what a dominant fixture, what a dominant player he can be for someone who is not a great shooter. And you were reminded that if you were putting an all Ohio State team together, David Lighty's making that team. Yeah, buddy. Not be, he's not oh, a star, man. but he just does everything. Yeah. One of my definitely one of my favorite players of all time. Well, not of all time, you know, in, in terms of you know going back to Jerry Lucas. But from what I have personally watched of Ohio State, definitely one of my favorite players to see, you know, in person and on TV. Yeah. Uh, just because of, I mean, we talk about this, you know, with 
with Chris Holtman's team all the time, but the level of give a damn, that dude just every play is all out and just so entertaining to watch. And that's also why we like watching Aaron Kraft too, because you know that every play, there are no gimme plays, something interesting, something fun could happen literally every possession when they're on the court. So I, you know, I love watching this stuff because it is such a nostalgia trip, but it's also, I mean, they're great basketball players and it was a fun game. It wasn't just some like lolly guy. Like it was a hard ass, well-played game. And that's the kind of stuff you love to see. So, you know, in August, in early August, yeah, I'll take that every day of the week. That was, it was a great time. That was awesome. Yeah. So they'll play for the championship on Tuesday. I hope they get it. It's the, the basketball tournament's been fun. And I think it's cool. They put this team together every year and they keep going for it to be such a sweet thing. If they were able to win it. Um, it's awesome. It was, it's great to see all of that. And it's um, lighty. <laughs> you just, they're all, it was, that was such a fun time. It was cool to see like the images of like Mata posing with them. Like he went to their game in the, in the quarterfinal round or the regional final, wherever they call it, the one that was an indie, like he went to the game and, you know, bottom dinner and stuff like that. It's just cool to see like how tight that group was. And it appears Holtman has continued that because I know a lot of those guys are welcome back. And um, obviously, you know, bringing John's brother back to be on his staff will help and on those fronts. So it was cool. It was a cool thing to see. And, uh, and, uh, you know, we'll all be rooting for him obviously tonight when they yeah. uh, get a chance to, to, to win the championship. So that's very cool. Uh, I want to remind you to be sure and visit 11 warriors for dry goods for shirts, hats, stickers, and more dry goods at 11 warriors.com. Don't forget to follow the 11 dubcast on Twitter and rate and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. It is this time of the show where we do a little, ask us anything. What do you have for us this week, my friend? All right, so if you guys want to ask us anything, please continue to do so to dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11dubcast. This one's from Alvin. Uh, our good friend Alvin wants to know, if you were to tape a live podcast, who, where, when, and what topic? So if you could anywhere, at any time, on any subject, live you know, from the location, where would you do it? Um, I would do Larry David on the veranda at bel-air country club <laughs> that would be amazing that Wouldn't would that be, be fantastic. fun that is an excellent answer that'd be that's fun right that, i feel yeah, like that'd be bring fun on our, our best friend richard lewis and then yeah. they just yell at each other for half right. of it wouldn't that no, be fun that's fantastic yeah i think that'd be quite fun i think that yeah that would be awesome what i would do is i would do kind of a roving like i want to so I was super jealous, actually, of speaking to my sister. I was super jealous of her. She studied abroad uh, when the World Cup was in Germany, I believe. Oh, sure. And yeah. yeah. And so she got the opportunity to travel in Germany during, and that's, I think Germany won that World Cup, right? That's when they, they like, finished second to um, Brazil. Okay. All right. I couldn't they remember that, whether right? that was one or where they got the revenge. When no, they no, they got third. No, uh, no, th- no, no, that no, was no, 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 they got third. Um, Italy beat France. It was the Zidane. That's headbutt. right. That's right. Yeah. It was a young German team that ended up finishing third. Yeah. You're right about that. So what, what I'm saying is I would love to go to a place where there is a world cup final and just start asking random people, random questions. I think that would be the most wild, insane thing that I could possibly yeah. do because I don't, first of all, you have the factor where you don't really speak their language very well, if at all. Okay. So that I, that's always hilarious. And speaking to somebody who lived in Japan for a year, I, I can attest to the fact that 
trying to overcome a language barrier when like at least one party is just blitzed out of their mind is one of the most entertaining things that you can do in your life. <laughs> yeah. uh, and as we try to prove, by the way, every weekend with Kevin right. venturing out Kev's, into the Ohio State Kevin does great with those. God, oh my God. I love That's one of the best. His, he's got a good play. sense of humor for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's really he's good. fantastic. And so, and actually I might bring Kevin with me because I think the dude's got some chops. And so I, you know, uh, that it, that would be my dream is go to an insane, crazy event like a World Cup final <laughs> and go. just start asking people random questions. That's I would great. love that. Um, all right. Our next one here. This is from Suncard. Suncard wants to know um, a common quote is if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. Are there any other positions in football that are like that? Tailback. Not necessarily where you have like two, but, you know, no. if you have too many, yeah. that's bad. Well, not bad, but I, I think the idea that the threat that. The idea of the phrase, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one, means that neither are very good. Right. So um, sometimes it's that way with running backs. Like if you have, if you have a bunch of running backs, it can be a problem. Yeah. Um, and we, I think it was trouble at times the last couple of years with Weber and Dobbins, mm-hmm. because how do you, you know, no one can really get a rhythm. So this is the Mike Weber game. This is the J.K. Dobbins game. I mean, I think that's a that can be a tough. That can be a little bit of a, a struggle. I think at linebacker, it's that way too. Like, I don't think you can platoon linebackers. Um, I think you kind of need a couple of guys to play there. So yeah. nothing quite like quarterback, but those are the two that jump out to me where reps, I think, are critical. Those are the exact same two that I had. I, I The biggest thing, I mean, you know, we've talked about this a lot with running back, but especially at linebacker, when you have to when you have to be able to diagnose plays quickly and have somebody on the field who can say, okay, these are our coverages, call out stuff. If you have too many guys who are just not like if you don't have enough talent where you can just have a set core of dudes to really establish a tone for the secondary and, and the you know the back uh part of the defense I, I just think it becomes a mess so i'm i'm totally with that um you've got to be able to have a set solid core of linebackers to make sure that your defense is going to be yeah. just kind of all on the same page and and you've seen in past years where there wasn't that wasn't the case and it's just it's chaos. It's a mess. Like people don't know yeah. their coverage, they don't know their assignments, and it's just ridiculous. So I would I would say that I agree with you. Those two positions are really important. Um, last one here. This is from Tim. I really enjoyed this question. Uh, what movie are you ashamed to admit that you watch whenever you find it on television? His is Roadhouse. Which oh my I don't god! Know why why would you be ashamed, ashamed to watch Roadhouse? Yeah. Roadhouse is spectacular. I love yeah. Roadhouse. I I've live blogged. Uh, or live tweeted watching Roadhouse for God's sake. It's spectacular. Um, I did yeah, the same so thing I'm with not, First nobody's, Blood. Nobody's no, don't be that. ashamed. Roadhouse is probably the most fun you can ever have in a movie that takes itself very seriously. Um, <laughs> so there's no there's no part of that that's shameful. Um, yeah. I will acknowledge that the thing that first jumped to mind, and I don't, I wouldn't watch this year round, but certainly from you know Thanksgiving through the holidays, if Love Actually's on, I'm in. Like I'm in. All right. It it pulls at the heartstrings. Um, I don't know why, but it does. Um, I always liked Hugh Grant. I like Liam Neeson. I like the uh, um, the old boy who's the old rock star, Bill Nye. I think. Oh yeah, thing, he's he's fantastic. He's great. Um, it seems to move quickly for holiday movies and the romantic comedy genre. So, um, yeah, that would be the one that you know probably maybe would get me scoffed at or mocked. But uh, but if it's on in the holidays, I'll check it out. It's a, it's, it's a solid movie. I, I would not rip on you for that particular one. I'm actually, mine is also a holiday movie. And usually when people say like, Oh, what are your favorite Christmas movies? Right. And everybody's like, Oh, well, I love, you know, like, you know, Christmas vacation, right. That's, that's super high up there. Christmas story, whatever. Uh, that, it, which is fine. Those are quality movies. I'm not hating on them, 
But then I'll chime in kind of quietly to myself in the back. Like, I really like the Muppet Christmas Carol. And I'll watch it. Oh, it's it fantastic. Right I love it. I yeah. love Muppet Christmas Carol. But people are like, oh, Muppets, they're, they're puppets. Why no. no. So great. I love it. It's my favorite yeah. Christmas movie. I watch it every Christmas at yeah. least two or three times. I don't know why anybody wouldn't. Um, <laughs> no. Razzo Rizzo. Right. And then, like, you've got Gonzo being Charles Dickens for some reason. It's it is a solid Great. solid movie, and I know yeah, all the words no of all shame. the songs, and you know it makes me feel a little like a little embarrassed. But then I get into the Marley no. and Marley part, and I just I lose all shame. So no, it's great, it's fantastic, it's an awesome movie. Yeah, it's an awesome no, movie, absolutely. All right, so that's ask us anything. Continue sending those in, particularly questions about movies uh, that we should be ashamed of, but we're not because I really like talking about movies. Um, but yeah, those were excellent. Thanks for sending those in, guys. Good job out of you guys. Uh, starting next week, and then as we build to the season opener, which will be here in a blink, uh, we'll start to get into our previews. So we'll start to look yeah. around the rest of the country. We'll look around the rest of the threats in the Big Ten. Start having some guests on to get you set for the college football season. So you'll have that to look forward to. As This is kind of the last one of summer as camp has started. Um, yeah. And then from here on out, it's football season. So away we go. And so you have that to look forward to next week, which we hope will be nice. Until then, my friend, we'll talk to you next week. Yep, see you next week.